The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, Winbet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the Winbet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is DFS simplified. All you have to do is pick your favorite player over unders to cash in. Head over to prizepicks.com and use your promo code SGP for a 100% deposit match. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use your promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. We're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head to betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. We're also brought to you by SoBet. Sign up and bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at sobet.io slash SGPN. That's sobet.io slash SGPN. And of course... Don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and free podcasts. Ralph 
Nick sent on a substitute to score. And with 20 minutes to go, Newcastle have lost their lead. Well, let's be clear, it's harsh, really. Manchester United do not deserve an equaliser. Manchester United have been drawn out of position here. Murphy again. Oh, it's at the post. Plenty, but this could have been a match winning moment for him. You are listening to Bet MUFC, the most depressing show that I do every week on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow Bet MUFC's Twitter account. It's at Bet MUFC. That's at Bet MUFC. You can also follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter. That's at, at SGP Soccer at SGP Soccer. To get all of my additional content, sign up for the new year over at LockBetting.com. We have locked in 103 months in a row of Transparent Track Profit. This month of December saw me land 25 one-unit plays in a row in a run that ended up going 29 and run, 29 and 1 across 31 unit plays. That is the most unbelievable streak I've ever been on. The members in December had a very Merry Christmas off the back of that. And you can have a Happy New Year by signing up over at LockBetting.com on January the 1st, where we will be going for 104 months in a row of transparent track profit. It's transparent and track because I use a spreadsheet every single month and I use a Patreon site. What Patreon allows me to do is post my PL every single month along with all of my other plays and my clients can comment at the bottom. So had I tried in any way to cheat by deleting plays or adding plays that didn't exist, it will be picked up on straight away. The only drawback of Patreon is that it bills you whenever you sign up. So if you sign up now on the 30th of December, you will be billed for the month of December and billed again on January the 1st. So wait until January the 1st. Get the full month of action. Loads of stuff coming up in January. We are in the middle of the NBA season. We come towards the end of the NFL season. We're banging into the middle of the domestic soccer season as well. We're a few months away from the return of European football with the Champions League and Europa League. So huge, huge month. And of course, Australian Open Tennis. And that will all be covered exclusively over at LockBetting.com because there are no podcasts on the SGB. So your preview podcast for the Australian Open Grand Slam Tennis will be exclusive to LockBetting.com, as will all of the plays as well. So sign up at LockBetting.com for 104 months in a row of transparent track profit. What that means is for over eight and a half years I haven't had a single losing month in sports betting and you can be a part of the of the journey from January so let's move on with what we're here to talk about it's Manchester United we're going to preview the Manchester United Burnley game but we're going to look back at this Newcastle game I said at the top of the show this is the most depressing podcast that I do because we're in January Manchester United, like a lot of other teams, are out of the title race. It is looking like Manchester City are going to win it very, very comfortably. And that's really surprising. They started the season with a 1-0 loss against Tottenham. It looked like they would have a big problem without a number nine, without a main striker. And that would be a struggle this season. But it hasn't been. We've seen Chelsea and Liverpool drop points left and right. And we've seen Manchester City continue to win. They've gone on a 10-match win streak. And that alone could be enough to carry them to the title. We'll see what happens over the next few weeks. 
weeks, but it's looking very much like Man City will be the champions and the rest are just playing for Champions League positions. But unlike Manchester United, Chelsea and Liverpool are safe in their Champions League spots, whereas Manchester United have a big battle against Liverpool, uh, sorry, against Tottenham, Arsenal and possibly West Ham as well. And it's not a battle that I'm confident we're going to win off the back of our last few performances. How many excuses are we going to give for these players. It cannot be all of these managers. It can't be Louis van Gaal. It can't be Jose Mourinho. It can't be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It can't be Ralph Ragnick. It can't be everyone's fault. I think that these players need to have a look at themselves. There is a toxic, toxic atmosphere at this club. And I don't think anything could possibly confirm that more than what I'm hearing coming out of the club at the moment with the players being disgruntled at the fact that Ralph Ragnick has changed the training regime and they now need to stay till 5pm. You don't want to work till 5pm. You're fucking overpaid footballers. You're earning somewhere between 80 to £400,000 a week and you don't want to stay and work until 5pm. It's not even work. You're playing football. You're learning tactics. You're learning new ways to play the game. You're running around. You're kicking the ball around for ridiculous sums of money and you don't want to stay till 5pm. That's what the new thing is coming out of this toxic piece of shit club. That's what we have to hear. We have to watch these performances against Norwich and Newcastle. We have to watch us score four goals in four games and suddenly it's all the blame of Ralph Ragnick because he's making the players work a little bit harder because they have to adapt to a new system and a way of playing to counteract the mistakes and the dog shit performances they put out in the first half of the season. This club, especially these players, are becoming very, very difficult to support. If you go on social media, yeah, you still have the supporters on there that are saying, oh, we still need to buy this player or we just need to buy this player. How many players are we going to buy? I'm past the point where I think buying new players is going to solve anything. Yeah, we could go out there and get that central defensive midfielder that everybody thinks we're lacking and they're blaming everything on McFred, on McTominay and Fred. And they think a central midfielder, a defensive central midfielder is going to solve anything. But how long is it going to be before that player comes in and he's embroiled in the toxicity of this club and it just becomes another average player? Yeah, we could sign Basuma and we can watch how Basuma plays for, for Brighton week in, week out. But when he comes to Manchester United, he'll just be another toxic player who's underperforming in this atmosphere. There's something wrong with the atmosphere. And these players or these supporters, sorry, can go online and support one or two players and single out one or two players who they want replacing. But the fact is, is there are big, there are big, big problems at the core of this club. It's it's been there for years. It's been there with Van Hal. It's been there with Mourinho. It's been there with Solskjaer. Solskjaer managed to get something out of these players because I assume he let them get away with a lot more. I assume that he gave them a lot more input. I assume that he became their friend. He didn't know what he was doing tactically, which is why we fell short of the last hurdle, why we couldn't win a league and why we couldn't win the other, other trophies. But somehow he managed to get something out of these players. Otherwise, we wouldn't have got on that massive unbeaten run. And perhaps... He would have continued to get more out of the players had we not signed Cristiano Ronaldo and had to implement this player in the team who is a complete contrast to everything that we were doing, which was counter-attacking with three fast players up top, with Bruno Fernandes playing a quarterbacking role and um, beating teams that way. And when you put Ronaldo up there, he doesn't do that for you. He also doesn't press the ball if you want to play the pressing style and he's not good in a counter-attack either. He's just a good box player who will finish chances if he can get them. But lately, he hasn't even been doing that. 
I mean, Gary Neville singled out Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo. And we'll listen to that clip in a minute. But I'm not done here talking about these players. It's Norwich and Newcastle. How can you be putting out these performances? You've had two weeks to go away and learn Ralph Ragnick's system. So for me, this isn't about managers. This isn't about bringing in more and more players to the club. Some people will think that on social media, but the vast amount of people on, on social media are not turning on Ragnick. They're not asking for players. They understand that there is a core problem at this club and they are rightfully now turning on these players, on the Shaws and the Maguires and the Rashfords, particularly the Rashfords. People understand that now. And then they're turning on them quicker than, than countries are turning on their governments at the moment because of this COVID bullshit. And rightfully so, because this is long overdue. Marcus Rashford hasn't been good for years. And finally, people are picking up on it. He's hidden. He's hidden behind his fake charity work, which is basically just his PR manager telling them that this is a good idea to pretend that you give a shit about children, even though you drive past them at Carrington. In fact, you drive faster at 70 miles an hour down country lanes to avoid stopping for the children that you pretend that you care about. He's been hiding behind that to mask his dog shit performances for the last 18 months. What the fuck has Harry Maguire come back as since the Euros? That's a different player completely. And he's never been a Manchester United captain anyway. It's one thing that you're playing like shit because Luke Shaw's playing like shit as well. But at least Luke Shaw's on the bench. But Harry Maguire is the fucking captain. And all these players come out after these bad results and make their speeches on social media. They're just social media puppets. They're politicians. We've got politicians in football kits at Manchester United coming out and, and politicising their performances and making these statements after every single game. Go out there and play for the fucking badge, all of you. Harry Maguire is not my captain. Harry Maguire should not be a captain at Manchester United. He is symptomatic of the problem. If that is your leader, then that is symptomatic of the problems at this fucking club at the moment. There is no way that Harry Maguire should ever be or should ever have been the Manchester United captain. I'm not sure who should be. Previously coming into this season, I would have said Bruno Fernandes. But Bruno Fernandes has been awful ever since Cristiano Ronaldo got there because he's sulking and shitting and pissing in his nappy because he's not the big man on campus anymore. Because Ronaldo's come along and he'll always be a bigger name than Bruno Fernandes will ever be. I could speak about Ronaldo as well, but I think I might save something for the next show. There's rumours that he wants out of the club, that he sent feelers out to Barcelona. Listen, I couldn't give a shit. Cristiano Ronaldo has not been a successful signing at his club. People will argue that he's the top goal scorer at the club. But listen to what the ex-Juve players are saying. And these are top, top professionals. There has to be something to it. Yeah, he's scoring goals, but every time he's out there, it's like we're playing with 10 men because all he does is hover around the box and he doesn't take every chance anymore. The guy sometimes looks like he can barely control the ball and he's throwing his arms up all of the time, complaining and crying on the pitch, walking off the pitch after every single poor result or when he doesn't score a goal. I'll save my comments about him because I can save something for the next show and I've got a piece of audio where Gary Neville talks about Fernandes and Ronaldo. But let's talk about Jadon Sancho. What the fuck has happened to Jadon Sancho? Is he just a victim of the toxicity of the club? Has the negativity and the bad atmosphere just swallowed him up? And now he's just become a shell of the player that we fucking signed? Or is the Premier League just a hundred times better than the Bundesliga and he's totally out of his depth and we completely wasted our money? I don't think so.
but maybe we'll never see the best of Jaden Sancho because people are just assuming that he's automatically going to come good. But we're halfway through an entire season. He's done absolutely nothing. So at this point, before I have some kind of stroke, I'm going to play my audio clip that I've picked out for this show with uh, Gary Neville talking specifically about Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo. I think when you mentioned body language, I said it after the Everton game earlier on in the season when Cristiano sort of walked off. And I thought he put pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's run off again tonight. Um, he ran off at Watford when the manager was going to get sacked. Everyone usually gets sacked. And at Norwich. And I think that Bruno's whinging like, well, they're the two senior players in that dressing room. It's devastating for the younger players if the two best players in the team are looking at the others as if, as if you're not good enough. And I think that Cavani takes that away because I don't think he's, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he wilts in the presence of, of, of Ronaldo or of Fernandez. I think he stands up to them. I think he helps the other younger players on the pitch. I think he needs to be on the pitch because they need to get rid of that whinging attitude. They really do. And you've got to go over and clap the fans at the end of the game. I don't care how you've played. I don't care what the result is. Get over to them fans. Clap them. Walk off with your teammates. You have to do that, particularly when you're the best player in the world one of the greatest players of all time. This whinging has upset you. Is it, is it Bruno and Ronaldo particularly that you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, it's, it's annoyed me for about two months. And... Your best players in your team, it's devastating when those players are giving that look and that body language towards the younger ones. They have to help them. They have to be the father, the grandparent in the team. They have to make sure. I, I, you know, I made massive mistakes as a young player at Manchester United. But I had great senior players who, yeah, they would have a go at me, but they would also put their arm around me and they'd help me. And I don't get the feeling that's happening. I think there's something wrong in there. And Ralph Randy's mentioned body language. He's mentioned words that after two weeks as a manager you shouldn't be mentioning but you can't run off the pitch at the end of the game Bruno's whinging all the time he's been sensational for Manchester United the two centre-backs to be fair were poor at the back they're the other two senior players so they're performing poorly Maguire's having a nightmare season Varane's just coming back into it but the two players at the front who can carry that team and to be fair Ronaldo has carried that team at times this season but you've got to be there when your teammates need you in the most difficult moments. And look, at the end of the day, I love that lad. You know what I mean? He's the best player that I've ever seen in my life, almost. But don't run off at the end of the game. I'm not having that. Do you think the situation the manager's in in terms of only there till the end of the season, do you think it makes it easier or more difficult for him, if he's not happy with body language, to make big changes or leave out sort of star players? It's difficult. You know, I took over a job, to be fair, for five months. It's not easy because you don't have the authority sometimes. I think Ranier's got the experience that certainly I, I, I never had. Um, but I don't, he'll have hated that tonight. I don't think he liked the Norwich game either. I think he'll be genuinely worried. There's an element of he's obviously there for the next two years as well in an advisory role, so he's got to build something in this next five months that obviously lasts for the two years after. And look, it's early days. It's certainly not something I don't quite like this. We said before the game, didn't we? We don't quite like the system, so let's let's be honest about that. The balance in attack is difficult. There's a lot more lacking, wasn't there, than the yeah, system? Yeah, the balance, there is. Look, forget the system, but I don't like the system. It has to be registered. Before the game, the balance in attack is difficult with that system, and the balance in defence is difficult, because you end up with Bruno ending up having to go out wide. It doesn't transition well out to wide to defend. So I think it's difficult for them, but the attitude and the basics, just, something just isn't right in there, and I don't know what it is, but there's definitely whinging going on. There's definitely whinging going on. They're all at each other. They're not sort of, they're not helping each other. And the spirit of a dressing room is really important. And I was lucky to be fair. I was in a dressing room for 20 years with absolutely brilliant characters and personalities that every single week, whether it win, lose or draw, I felt that they were all with each other. I don't think they're all with each other in that dressing room at this moment in time. I think there's a bit of a leadership struggle going on. I think Maguire looks like he's, 
he's the captain, but he don't feel like the captain. He's probably got Varane alongside him, thinking we're going to be a really good pair, but it's not quite working yet. It's not quite established. I think Cristiano's coming. He's upset maybe Bruno in terms of sort of that hierarchy in the team. You've got Cavani who comes off the bench, who's a senior player and obviously a fantastic player as well. It just doesn't feel like the mix of what's going on is right. And Ralph Ranić's only been here two and a half weeks, so he's not going to be able to sort that out. Oli was struggling with it a little bit. I think you could see towards the last two or three months. But now Ralph Ranić's struggling as well. And that's Norwich and Newcastle. They're the bottom of the league. And yet those players don't look happy out on the pitch. And they've got to get that right. Because I actually have liked these players for two or three years. I've actually said they're a good group. They give their all. I've liked the club. But they're just going over the edge a little bit. They're going into that space whereby the fans are going to start looking at them thinking, hang on a minute, you threw all the overboard. Yeah, we all get, he got sacked. No problem. You know, poor results. Maybe deserved it in the end. But now the new guys come in and you're performing like that for him. So it leaves you no excuses. You've got nowhere to go. Because ultimately then it becomes about you. It doesn't become about the manager anymore. It becomes about what you're doing and what your attitude is and what your personality is out on the pitch. And there are things out there tonight which are not right. They're not right. Irrespective of shape, irrespective of the fact that it's tough playing away at Newcastle. They haven't played for 16 days. That wasn't right there. Before we move on to analysing this Burnley game here that we're playing tomorrow, um, let's have a listen to what Ralph Ragnick said because Gary Neville mentioned it there. And I've pulled up a little bit of his interview that he gave to Sky after the game. Ralph, you fought back for a point, but was it a performance that you didn't particularly like? No, I didn't like it at all. Um, as I said, we we were trying to get better in controlling games. Today we didn't control the game, apart from very few moments at all. It's all about energy, about physicality, um, and who wins the second balls. Uh, what about the transitional moments? And uh, in all those areas, we were not at our best today. In the end, uh, we got a point. That's the good thing. But uh, the performance overall needs to get better. So all those areas you just listed, how do you get them better? I mean, against Palace, we were better, but that was a different game. We played at home. Now we had two, two away games uh, against Norwich and here and here at Newcastle. And uh, it's about, as I said, it's about physicality. It's about energy. We have you have to be ready and and and, and, and able to win those direct duels. Um, and uh, this was not that often the case. And uh, even when we were, were in possession of the ball, we had too many giveaways, uh, including uh, the goal that we conceded. And if you're after seven minutes, one one goal down here at St James's Park, it doesn't make things easier. You were quite critical of the body language after the Norwich game. Was it any better this evening? Today it was not a question of body language. It was a question of body and physicality. The body language was not that much of a problem today. But of course, if you want to be competitive here in this this ground against Newcastle, you have to play physical. We have to get physical. And this was not the case in many parts of the game. And therefore, we were struggling. Are they sometimes as well a group of players, this Manchester United group, that they seem to be quite critical with each other on the pitch when a mistake gets made rather than an arm around the shoulder? It's quite negative. Do you notice that? I don't think that this was our biggest problem today. Our biggest problem was the mistakes that we made, the giveaways, the unforced errors when we were in possession of the ball. We just had too many balls that we just gave away even in the second half when we scored the equalizing goal and they had two or three injured players we were not really controlling the game taking the wrong decisions in the right in in in, in the very moments 
and that what is what what is what, what it's all about. You made a couple of substitutions at half time. What were you looking to rectify? Well, obviously we were one goal behind, so we needed a goal, a minimum one goal, and we had to take more risks, and uh, that was the reason why I brought Edison Cavani and uh, uh, and uh, Jaden Sancho on to play from then on, you know, four one three two. Uh, in some situations, including the goal that we scored, we were good. Edison had two other good chances uh, in, to score, but with him, we had another striker up front who was dangerous in front of goal. That's what Ralph Ragnick had to say. And you can easily criticise him because he hasn't made the best of starts. Two wins, two draws. Drawing against young boys was obviously not really a big deal because it was a rotational team. But this draw against Newcastle was very poor. The performances against Newcastle and Norwich were very poor. When you look at what Arsenal did to Norwich, when you look at how easily Crystal Palace beat Norwich, that should have been a game where Manchester United should have looked really, really good and they didn't. And this is Newcastle. He's talking about it being a difficult place to go. I don't agree with him at all. Like This isn't a difficult place to go this season. These are players that have no confidence and uh, Eddie Howe's looking to bring new players in. So this should have been another game. This is almost a dream start on paper, but it hasn't translated to the pitch. And it just feels like these Manchester United players are just very, very difficult to work with. I don't blame Ralph Ragnick here. He's identified everything that went wrong there in the game. When he talked about players losing the possession, I actually pull up the stats here to support exactly what he was saying. And he probably didn't have access to these stats immediately after his pre-match interview. He would have had them the next day. But I've pulled them up and he's seen the game correctly 100%. During the game, this is one game against Newcastle, Bruno Fernandes lost the ball 26 times. So this is the number of times Manchester United players lost possession during that game. Bruno Fernandes, 26 times. Marcus Rashford, 20 times. He was awful, as usual. Diego Dallo, 19 times. Sancho, 14. He only played one half. McTominay, 13. Tellus, 12. Harry Maguire, 11. Rafa Varane, 11. Fred, 10. Cristiano Ronaldo, 9. And he probably only had nine touches the entire game. The rest of the time, he was just up there waving his arms in the air, arguing with people. Mason Greenwood, eight. He had a terrible first half. David De Gea, seven. Cavani, five. And Yemanja Matic, three. That's an unbelievable amount of times for players to lose possession during a game of football. So... He has identified that correctly. He can see the problems, but whether he can rectify it and whether these players want to work towards it, what I'm hearing about the players not wanting to train till 5pm, that, that's just that's just disgusting. That disgusts me. And there's a lot of jokes and things flying around about that. But look, this situation ain't funny. It's probably hilarious if you're a non-Manchester United supporter and if you're, if you're a Liverpool fan who had to suffer through us winning everything. Well, now look how bad we are. I mean, we're as bad as we were when Alex Ferguson left and David Moyes took over. This is such a terrible position to be in at the moment. And these next two games, both of them, coming back to Old Trafford, are must-win games. Because suddenly, with back-to-back wins, we can plaster over the cracks of this. We can look at our last four league games. We can look at our games on the Ralph Ragnick and say, hey, look, we've won four and drawn one. That's a pretty good Christmas. And it is. You can't, you're not expected to. Whereas you can predict it on paper. The reality is it's very difficult to win five games in a row in the EPL, no matter who you're playing, unless you're Manchester City. So if we can do that, if we can build off the back of beating Palace, beating Norwich, 
scrapping to a draw against Newcastle and then winning these next two home games. And we can say, since Ralph Ragnick's been there, we've won four out of five in the Premier League and we're unbeaten under him. That, on paper, would represent a successful start for Ralph Ragnick. But we need to raise the performance levels. Coming into this game against Burnley, I don't want to see Cristiano Ronaldo starting in this game. Like, there was a big hoo-ha about him not starting in a game against Everton. I was there. I was among the crowd and the supporters who were confused by that. We saw him not starting in another game as well under, I believe, it was away to Chelsea. And there was a big hoo-ha about that. And a lot, of made, a lot was made about Carrick's team selection and whether Ralph Ragnick was behind it, whether Ronaldo has a future in Ragnick's teams. I don't think he does. I feel like he's forced in. I don't think that he fits into the system. This this two 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 four system means that your strikers have to carry out a lot of the work to compensate for the fact that you don't have out-and-out central midfielders. You have two holding midfielders. You have two players that are supposed to go out wide and come into the centre as well, which is why it doesn't suit Bruno Fernandes. And then you have your strikers who are supposed to drop deep and, and pivot between dropping deep and pushing forward. There's supposed to be a partnership there, but we're changing Ronaldo's strike partner every single game. Just a lot of stuff here doesn't make sense. I don't think Ralph Ragnick is blameless, but I do believe that he's been in football long enough to to know what he's doing and know what he wants. I believe that listening to his interviews, that he has correctly identified the issues. And I just think there is something inherently wrong here With the players, I agree completely with Gary Neville. But as I said, winning these next two games could paper over the cracks. We come up here against the Burnley team that haven't played for a long, long time. It's another one of those rust versus rest situations. Man United are the strong one to three favourites to win the game. It's four to one here on the draw and it's 15 to two here on Burnley. I'll be honest with you. I have absolutely no idea what to do with this game. Uh, I don't want to be going near Man United as a 1-3 to favourite. I don't think we're worthy of being 1-3 to favourites. At the same time, looking at this Burnley team that haven't played for such a long time, that Manchester United just surely have to beat them. United are unbeaten in their last seven games in all competitions, believe it or not. Out of those seven, we've won four and drawn three. And we actually have three wins in the last four in the Premier League. This Burnley side are yet to win away from home in the league and have lost four of their last eight away trips. So I think Manchester United will find a way to win this game. I don't know how we're going to look in terms of stylistically, whether this is going to be a convincing win, whether we're going to play really, really well, whether we're going to dominate the ball possession, whether we're going to press up high up the pitch, whether we're going to have a high level of intensity. It's just impossible for me to call it until I see it. I do think this will be a tight and cagey game. I do think Burnley will look at our problems and and the fact they haven't played for a while and they'll set up to make themselves difficult to beat. I do believe they will have a lot of energy themselves because they haven't played for a while. And I do believe that will make it difficult for Manchester United to break this team down. But ultimately, I do think we will manage to break this team down and we will come away with the points. But I do think it will be a low-scoring game. So far under Ralph Ragnick, Manchester United have scored in every game, but they haven't scored more than once in any of the games. We scored one against Crystal Palace. We scored one against Young Boys. We scored one against Norwich. And we scored one against Newcastle. 
Newcastle. There's nothing here to me that indicates that Manchester United are suddenly going to score three or four goals. So the way I'm going to play this is going to be very, very simple. I'm going to take Manchester United to win and I'm going to take under four and a half goals. As far as I'm concerned, that covers you for every possible scoreline here, which involves Manchester United winning. They could win this 1-0, 2-0. And if they play really, really well, they could win this 3-0. They could possibly concede a goal. But given that I don't see us scoring four goals, you're under four and a half will be a safe leg here on this bet. So Man United and under four and a half goals would be the way I go here. That one is available at eight to 11. This Burnley team haven't scored in their last three league games. Burnley have failed to win all of their away games in the Premier League this season, as I've already mentioned. Burnley have actually seen under two and a half goals scored in 62% of their away games. And as I already mentioned, United have scored exactly once in all four games while under Ralph Ragnick so far. If I was picking this Man United team tomorrow, I would go with uh, De Gea in goal. I would look at rotating those fullbacks and seeing if uh, Wan-Bissaka and Luke Shaw have gained anything from the time off. Although I'm not saying that they are my first choice fullbacks. I'm saying it could be time to rotate these guys into the team. I carry on with Varane and Maguire. I mean, there's definitely a case for dropping Harry Maguire, but then who do you give the captaincy to? Bruno Fernandes is suspended for this game. So in his absence, I would play um, Fred McTominay and Van der Beek in midfield. And I would go with Sancho, Greenwood and Cavani up top. But obviously, he's not going to play the three. So then I would go for um, Van der Beek. And Sancho as the attacking two, Matic and McTominay sitting with Greenwood and Cavani as my front two, taking Cristiano Ronaldo out of the team. That's what I would do. This is just my personal predicted lineup or, or, or my favoured lineup for tomorrow. There's players I just don't want to see playing tomorrow, and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is one of them. I think he's been very, very poor. Yeah, he scored the winner against Norwich, but he scored it from the penalty spot. He hasn't been relevant in any of Ralph Ragnick's games so far. His last big game was against Arsenal, which was four games ago. And I think it's time to leave him on the bench. That's it for this edition of BetMUFC. I'll be back to look back on this game against Burnley and looking ahead to the Wolves game. But until then, good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.